Imagine an ecological wonderland with seemingly otherworldly plant and animal life that exists in no other place on Earth. Charles Darwin described this beautiful and awe-inspiring place as a little world within itself. Today we set sail to what early sailors called the Enchanted Islands. Okay, I won't keep you guessing. We are headed to the Galapagos. Welcome to Traveling with AAA. I'm your host, Mary Herondine. We are joined by award-winning travel journalist Don George. Don is editor of Geographic Expeditions online magazine, host of the National Geographic Live series, former travel editor of San Francisco's Examiner and Chronicle, as well as being the co-founder of the Book Passage Travel Writers and Photographers Conference that's held annually in California. In his four decades of travel writing, he has visited more than 90 countries on five continents and authored a book about these travels, The Way of Wanderlust. Don recently wrote the article Enchanted Voyage, featured in AAA's Westways and Explorer magazine, all about his cruise to the Galapagos. Welcome, Don. We are honored to have you with us today. Thank you so much. I'm really honored to be here and, and to talk about that wonderful voyage to that enchanted place. Oh, I read the article. It was beautiful. Don, for those who don't know, where are the Galapagos Islands? So they're located off the coast of Ecuador. And uh, they're, they're out there. It's a few hours flight to get there from Ecuador. So they're really quite isolated out in the ocean. And that gives them, that's partly why they have such a unique character is they're far away from any other landmass. Yeah, and undisturbed by anything else, it sounds like. Now, why are they so significant? What's their historical importance? So they have been a repository for all kinds of unique animals and other kinds of species that have ended up there one way or another. And because the islands are so remote, they've been able to develop unimpeded, uh, undisturbed. And so all kinds of unique features have have evolved there. And they're famously where Darwin went on his voyage around the world and stopped for a few weeks and studied them, especially studied the finches. And that's where the sort of seeds for his uh, theory of natural selection were, were planted because he noticed that the finches on different islands had developed different ways of dealing with their environments. And he thought, that's really interesting. What's that all about? And the more he investigated it, the more he realized they had responded to changes in the places where they live so that they could live more easily. Um, and it's a fascinating laboratory to visit even today. It's incredible. It sounds like it. The photos were stunning. Just the wildlife uh, that you see there is, is just unreal. Now, you recently returned from the Galapagos, but this wasn't your first trip. Could you tell us about your first trip some 20 years ago? Yes, it was 20 years ago. I went there when I was a, a, a younger travel journalist, and I brought my family with me. My kids were both teenagers at the time. I have two kids, and they were both teenagers. And I didn't know really what to expect at that time. And I was just blown away by the, the magnificence of the wildlife. And what immediately affects everybody is the fact that the wildlife haven't learned to be afraid of human beings. So you'll be walking on a trail, and you'll come to, upon a blue-footed booby in the middle of the trail. And the blue-footed booby will just look up at you and kind of go, Hi, <laughs> nice to see you. <laughs> you know, carry on, go on your way. And you just sort of step over them or you step around them. They don't fly away. They're not scared. They don't know to be scared. And so 
you have this wonderful new interaction with with wildlife and for my kids it was for me too it was totally mind opening and and heart opening and my daughter actually now is a marine biologist and she says that she became a marine biologist because of one afternoon that we spent in the Galapagos where she became a sea lion for an afternoon and she was we were snorkeling and and in the water and these sea lions just adopted her and they began swimming around her and somersaulting over her and she just became a sea lion for a while and that that experience really changed her life and so the Galapagos can have that kind of life-changing effect on you. I imagine I imagine so just being immersed in that and, and experiencing something that really you would have in no other place. Um, that's incredible. Now, what did you hope to discover on this recent trip? So I was wondering, first of all, if the Galapagos had changed very much, because 20 years is a long time, and a lot has happened in our planet in those 20 years. And so I was curious if the sort of wonder that I had felt back then, if that would still be present. So at the same time, I was wondering how I had changed as a human Mm. being in those 20 years. And would I still be alive to that wonder and that sense of magnificence that I'd felt on the first trip? So I was curious about both of those. And then the ship that I was on, the Celebrity Flora, is a newly, totally renovated, beautiful ship designed purely for cruising the Galapagos. And so I was really curious about that, too, and what that experience would be like. Um, happily, I discovered that the Galapagos are still amazing and full of magnificent things, and that my heart is still beating and still alive to the wonder of the world, too. And my mind was still totally, again, reawakened and re-energized by being in touch with that wildlife and that special spirit of the islands. It was just mag- It was a fantastic experience. And then the ship is incredible. The ship was so clearly designed for that environment and everywhere you went on the ship you felt like you were in touch with the world around you it was so special and um and the people on board of course were also very special very much in touch with the world around them they were there whether passengers or crew they were there because they loved the Galapagos. And so you had this feeling of, and I, I kind of say this in the article, but it was almost like a religious experience that we were all there to worship the Galapagos. Wow. And you had this communal feeling of, we are in a very special sacred place. Let's all celebrate it together. That's amazing. And so it sounds like you wanted to check in on yourself. Uh, so the personal, but also in the, from the professional side, what the celebrity cruises were doing to kind of make that uh, a special, uh, special experience for all of their travelers. Now, how did they create that kind of like, you know, worship like that kind of we're all here to just really really immerse ourselves and and love this beautiful place. What did Celebrity Cruises do with the Celebrity Flora to create that type of experience and ensure the ecological preservation of it? Yeah, um, they did a really great job. The design of the ship had, there was so much glass, so much open feeling in, in my cabin. So 20 years ago, when I cruised the Galapagos, I had kind of a little traditional porthole in my cabin. And you know maybe a 
three foot diameter porthole. And that was what I was looking at the world on through. Um, this time I had a floor to ceiling, completely wide open window wow. so that the, so that the Galapagos was in my bedroom, basically. And, and when I was in bed, I was in the Galapagos. And that was just magnificent. And all of the public rooms were designed with the same sort of feeling of openness. They also had incorporated all kinds of natural elements from the local environment in the in the um, in the furniture and in the amenities. So you, you really felt like you were surrounded by the Galapagos. And then there were some invisible things that I really appreciated. The one that I just love is that they had come up with a new anchoring system okay. so that they could keep the boat stabilized and not moving without actually using physical anchors. Um, and, you know, in the past, physical anchors have caused a lot of ecological damage. And so to reduce that or to get rid of that is really a remarkable achievement. So I loved that they they did that. And there were other things like the the menus used locally sourced foods so that we were always eating. We were eating sort of the world around us. We were partaking in the world around us, whatever we were doing. And that made me feel very happy. And then the crew is just spectacular from the captain to the the sort of master of ceremonies on board who was who would give us lectures every night about what we were going to see the next day. Um, the all of the naturalists, all of the staff as a whole, they really um, they were mostly from the islands. Mm -hmm. And so you had that feeling of being surrounded not just by the wildlife, but by the, the people of the island and the culture of the island as well. And they were so respectful and passionate about the islands in all of their interactions, whether it was you know, formal speeches that they were giving or just speaking with your waiter at dinner about what you'd seen earlier in the day. And the waiter would get so passionate and enthusiastic about it and, and tell you his own experience that um, every single moment that I was on the ship, I felt like we were just in harmony with the Galapagos and celebrating the Galapagos. And so that really just enhanced on a daily level the, the wonder and the enchantment of the experience. It just got better and better and better. It sounds like it. It sounds like, you know, a first timer could go on this cruise and really um, walk away knowing and loving the islands. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, I would say I believe everybody on the ship except for me, all the passengers on the ship were first timers and everyone had an amazing experience. One of the things I loved was that as I got to talk to people during the course of the cruise, I realized that everyone had brought sort of a different dream with them, something that they really hoped would happen and they weren't sure if it would or not. And every single one of those dreams, sort of day by day by day, I was hearing how those dreams were coming true. And that was so special. That was such a wonderful part of the trip. I'd love to hear about some of those dreams. What were you know the other travelers sharing with you that they were hoping to see or experience? One of the dreams was the one lovely young woman on the cruise really wanted to swim with the with sea turtles. She just really wanted to have that experience because on land, of course, they're kind of lumbering and, right. and awkward and, and we don't think of them as being elegant or agile. But in the water, they're incredibly agile and they just flow right along. They're like poetry in motion. It's so beautiful. <laughs> and her dream was to swim with them. And there was one day kind of near the end of the, the cruise when we were all underwater together. Mm -hmm. And um, her boyfriend started excitedly put, sort of pointing, pointing, pointing. And we all looked into the sort of blue depths of the water in the distance. And suddenly these sea turtles just came 
out oh. of the out of the murk towards us and you could just see them approaching us it was so oh. exciting and then she just swam with the sea turtles for a long time and she swam and swam and swam and finally she emerged above the surface of the water and the smile on her face was as big as the whole world it was just oh, this wow. incredibly huge smile her that dream had come true. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I was on a, a trip to Hawaii and I had an opportunity to see the sea turtles. And, you know, to your point, they're lumbering, kind of laying around on the sand. Um, but while snorkeling, I was able to swim alongside a few of them. And But just mm. nothing like what you're saying. I mean, definitely you could see that there's fear. And I couldn't imagine becoming one um, with, <laughs> with, those, with that sea life, with those animals. Just so incredible. Now, you write about the Galapagos beautifully in an article in Westways and the AAA Explorer magazines. Could you tell us about what you saw when you first stepped off the boat onto one of the islands, paint a picture for us, or maybe through that giant window um, in your cabin? <laughs> well, the first... The first great moment was we we have these these zodiac boats that transport you from the main ship onto the onto the shore. We got onto the shore and there's just this beautiful pristine environment spreading out in front of you. And one of the really important things to know about the Galapagos is that human um, interaction there is really carefully monitored and controlled. So whenever you're on an island, you're with a naturalist, okay. a certified government naturalist. And there are certain prescribed trails that you have to stay on, which is you know, perfect because you don't want to harm the wildlife. You don't want right. to disturb the wildlife. That's why you have that wonderful interaction with them. So we arrived on the shore with our naturalist and um, there was this wonderful big spreading beach. And then beyond it, there were some mangroves and there was some green vegetation. Mm -hmm. But just to the left of us, there were a, a trio of of snoozing sea lions. Oh, wow. They were just lying there. They were just sprawled out on the beach having the nap of their lives yeah. in the sun. And it was so enchanting and kind of magical. Immediately, in my first you know trip off of the boat, bam, there are these sea lions right there. And we walked down the beach and there were more and more and more of them. And every once in a while, one of the sea lions would open a little tiny <laughs> sleepy eye and sort of gaze at us under their big, long, beautiful eyelashes and kind mm -hmm. of go, oh, okay, there's some humans here and then just go back to sleep. Wow. And so immediately from the very beginning you had this sense of one the the wildlife isn't afraid of us at all and two it's everywhere there were right. there were so many sea lions on the beach and then we began walking and we saw these great um iguanas and then we saw some birds and and blue-footed boobies and red-footed boobies and suddenly just this whole kind of wonderful wilderness of of wildlife just began to come to life all around us and that was the first day and it really never stopped. Every day there was more and more and more of that. It was just so, so spectacular. So kind of lifted my soul out of the, wow. you know, we've all been in pandemic <laughs> right. for a while. And to be in in this incredibly pristine environment where where the world just seemed full of wonder and beauty and hope and optimism. It was really a healing experience, too. It sounds like it. It sounds like, you know, with those with that wildlife experience and just the um, the vegetation, all that, it's like the environment is inviting you into their world, not not your inviting animals into yours. You could just I, I'm just picturing this with the guide that you're walking around and it's like we're treading on their territory and and tread lightly, be careful and 
and yeah. um, and don't disturb it. That's amazing. Now, these animals just sound incredible. And I used to have we used to have an iguana. Those <laughs> things get huge. I mean, yes. could oh you tell God. us about some of your most <laughs> meaningful encounters, maybe with one of the animals? If it wasn't an iguana, which was it? And tell us about it. Well, the iguanas were pretty amazing. Um, there were there are land iguanas and marine iguanas, mm-hmm. which in and of itself is really fascinating. The marine iguanas just basically exist in the water, but right. they're fine on land too. But they spend most of the time in the water. And then the land iguanas are out. You'll find them inland. Um, and and just to go back to what you you said, you I really did feel like I was a guest in their in right. their land. Clearly, this is their their territory, their home, right. and they're allowing us to be there. And you feel really privileged. It's a real honor you feel like, and 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 also a responsibility to be there and and to treat them with respect and and care. Um, but so we're 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 viewing all these different amazing. Um, the bird life, the iguana life, these Sally Lightfoot crabs, these brilliant red orange Sally Lightfoot crabs. Mm-hmm. Um, one one thing I'll I remember distinctly is on one of the islands we came upon this land iguana, and they love to eat these cactus leaves. Okay. And usually you'll see them, you know, on on all four legs on the ground mm-hmm. eating cactus leaves that have fallen onto the onto the ground. But this one I- iguana evolution in action had had figured out how to lift himself up on his on two legs so that he could reach the more tender delicious uh-huh. cactus leaves up in the air and so we came upon this iguana that was just stretched up on two legs with his other two four legs kind of just in the air balancing a little bit on this cactus leaf, cactus leaf and he was chopping it very contentedly away at the cactus leaf just having this wonderful feast and one of the members of our group was a, a veteran photographer who'd mm-hmm. been all around the world taking photos. And he was in heaven when he saw this. He wow. was saying, I've never seen this before anywhere. I can't believe I'm going to get a photo of this. I'm so excited. And so he was snapping, 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 snapping photos. And it was a thrill for all of us. It was something I I'd certainly had never seen. None of us had seen. Even the naturalist was like, oh, my God, I've only seen this once before. Wow. And I've been doing this for 20 years. So that was an amazing sight to see this iguana that had figured out how to raise itself up so it could get the more tender, delicious leaves. And then some other encounters. One was and I had my own underwater encounter with a sea lion, which was oh. just fantastic. The sea lion, they're so playful. They'll come right up to your mask and then they'll just zoom right over you. <laughs> Or they'll zoom right by you or they'll somersault over you. They just love playing. And so you, you feel like you're with a bunch of five-year-olds and they're just kind of <laughs> messing around with you and having the time of their lives, totally mm-hmm. accepting you into their world. And then I had a really close encounter with a, a, a great land tortoise, mm-hmm. you know, hundreds of years old. Just kind of, I adopted this tortoise in my in my mind. I thought, this is my tortoise. I just oh, love wow. watching it move so slowly and it would extend <laughs> its head so slowly and you could watch its its wrinkled neck kind of getting longer and longer and longer and then it seized upon some really beautiful um, shoots of grass and you could just hear this kind of quiet contented munching this <laughs> sound and it was so endearing and so magical and I, I said to the naturalist how old do you think this uh, tortoise is and she said we really have no idea maybe 150 years old wow. who knows 
because uh, you know we haven't been tracking them that long. So now we'll know because we started tracking the age of the tortoises. But there are some here we don't know how old they are. And there was that for me. There was just that sense of here's a, a fellow sentient being that's been around so long and embodies such kind of wisdom and grace. And it was really transporting to be in such a close encounter with that tortoise. That really is incredible. And and you really do paint a beautiful picture, Don. It's taking me there. <laughs> um, now, this seems like a great time to take a quick break, but don't go away. We'll be back shortly with more about the Galapagos and Don George. Thank you. If you can dream the perfect beach vacation, you can create it with Trip Canvas from AAA Travel, the all-in-one platform that lets you research, plan, and book the ultimate getaway. Trip Canvas, let's go somewhere. Welcome back to Traveling with AAA. Our special guest today, again, is travel journalist Don George, who's telling us all about one of the most unique places on Earth, the Galapagos. Don, welcome back. Now, you were sharing with us that you sailed on the celebrity cruises, the celebrity flora, and I, you know, I'm hearing about what life was like aboard the ship. Anything else that you could share about just the the magic that went into creating this beautiful kind of indoor outdoor space on ship? Mm. Yes, I mean, one of the things that you don't think about so much is just how integral a role like the master of ceremonies, the staff of the ship play in the atmosphere that, that comes to life on a cruise like this. It, one nice thing is it's a small ship. There's 100 passengers maximum. So that there's a pretty intimate feeling. Of, it's a tiny village of people, wow. which is also, which is just really nice. You, you pretty much get to know everybody on a, at least a, like a nodding relationship, all the passengers. Um, there's open seating which is nice because in some formal cruise sit- settings, there isn't open seating. And and so having open seating allowed you to just sit with whoever you wanted to sit with. You could make new friends or you could stay with the group that you had already formed friendships with. And that was really nice. But then there were these evening lectures where the staff would tell us about what was going to happen in the next day. And they would give us all kinds of great background information. And before that, we would always have some sort of special cocktail of the day that they had some Galapagos <laughs> theme to it. So everybody would have their cocktail and we'd all be sharing what had happened to us during the day and the, the adventures we'd had and the wonders we'd seen. And then a, a staffer would get up and give a really great lecture. So there was this wonderful ambience of intimacy and familiarity and yeah. very relaxed cruise feeling, um, casual wear, all of that contributed to the feeling of just really having a good time, that we were all there to have a good time. It, this was not a cruise that was about a, a fancy Broadway right. show or, you know, some kind of a spectacular um, gambling, you know, side of the ship or something. It was really all focused on we're here to worship the Galapagos. We're here to celebrate the Galapagos. And that feeling infused the cruise from the moment you got on the ship. And so Every time, every day, it got better and better, and uh, and the staff was integral to that. Um, the excursions that we planned were, of course, really perfect. You could do a land excursion, you could do an underwater excursion. So there were different opportunities for and different sort of levels of activity. If you wanted to walk for three hours, there was that option. If you wanted to walk for one hour, there was that option. If you just wanted to sit on the beach, there was that option. So it kind of was tailored to all kinds of different people, yeah. and. Um, it was very, very thoughtfully arranged in that sense, too. So it's not just the 
the magnificent architecture and the uh, and the notion that they're not using anchors and those kinds of things, but the care that went into the itinerary and the the onboard atmosphere and the the offerings that were given to the passengers and the atmosphere that was just created of interaction between staff and passengers and passengers themselves, all of it really contributed to making the trip so enchanted. It sounds like everything that that went into it was very purposeful, very meaningful. And I can just imagine having so many people around to kind of witness and share in that experience. Uh, like you said, all there to worship. And you've mentioned that before, the worshiping. In fact, you've described travel as your religion. What do you mean by that? <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, it really is. I, I feel when I'm out in the world discovering things, I am my best person, I feel, in lots of ways. I'm, I'm the most alive that I am. I'm the most excited. I'm becoming a bigger, bigger, better person all the time. And I feel that travel is a religious act in the sense that we go out into the world, whatever energy we bring into mm -hmm. the world comes back to us a hundredfold. So if we go out with a sense of wonder and respect and appreciation and openness, that all comes back to us. And if we travel that way, we really make the world a better place. Um, we become better human beings, but but the people we encounter become better human beings too. They become enriched. And so I think that I, I view travel as a really sacred act. For me, right. places are sacred. The Galapagos are certainly sacred, but, but many of the places I've been in my life, I think of as sacred places. And we're just kind of pilgrims <laughs> on this journey where we're going to figure out what's wonderful, what's sacred, what's special about this place. How can I bring that into myself so that I become a better person? But how can I also share that with other people? And that's why I love being a travel writer, because I can share like these it. special experiences with other people and, and maybe make them feel a little bit of that sanctity and that sacredness too and become better people. So I think that travel writing mm -hmm. makes the world a better place on all kinds of levels. And travel for me is ultimately the way that we evolve you know the galapagos are all about evolution i think that our whole planet is about evolution and travel helps us evolve to be better human beings and to create understanding and connection around the world so that we won't have wars and we won't have the kinds of inequities that we have now i mean i think that travel is a really hopeful optimistic ground ground laying um enterprise and i think that if we're going to have peace in the world the more we get to know each other and realize we're all human beings we're all in right. this together the better we'll be well the way that you describe <laughs> and and make the translation between travel and like a religious act i mean i'm sold it sounds amazing and to your point you know you want to spread that word through your writing i can see why you were really interested in travel writing it's probably the the travel that it started to inform your love of writing about it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I fell in love with Paris a long time ago, and I thought I was going to be a Tweedy professor of literature. And then when I lived in Paris for a year out of out of college, I realized I wanted to be a student in the classroom of the world. So that's uh -huh. what I decided to do. And and you really certainly have done that. 90, 90 countries? 90 countries, yeah. Wow. And, and I believe that every time we travel, we take something with us from the places we visit. And it sounds like you're leaving a little bit of yourself when you go. But what was the biggest takeaway from your latest trip to the Galapagos? I think it was that the sanctity of the islands is still very much there. And despite all of the things that have happened in our world, 
in the last 20 years, the, the special character of the Galapagos is there, and it's a place that we really need to recognize as precious and special and irreplaceable, and we need to take really good care of it. And I think I came away more energized than ever with that sense that we are the stewards of our planet. You know, right. we're the people who ensure that the planet exists for our generations to come, for my daughter and my daughter's daughter, and who maybe will become a marine biologist too. And that, that we have a real responsibility to make sure that these places exist and thrive and are better than ever. And, uh, and that there are, that there's magic everywhere we go. There's magic everywhere. And we just need to be, have the eyes to see it, the mind to understand it, the heart to, to feel it. And when we bring that to the world, the world rewards us in so many ways. And the Galapagos was incredibly rewarding for me. That's amazing. It's It really does sound like all the visitors who've been there, you know, before your first trip 20 years ago and, and during these last 20 years for you to come back and see it really just not disturbed um, and still just as beautiful. It's like time has stopped there. And, and really, mm -hmm. that's credit to all the um, naturalists and, and everybody who's gone into keeping it, keeping it really a beautiful place for all of us. Now, right. Galapagos, uh, and you mentioned before I should go, and I, I really am inspired. <laughs> How important is pre-planning with a travel advisor before taking a trip like this? Um, it's absolutely critical. I think that you know, travel advisors have unique, um, they have information and they have experience that we can really profit from. A travel advisor will be able to answer all of your questions and advise you about what what's the best plan for you. And especially these days when there are still difficulties in, with negotiations about airfares and flights being canceled. And there's a lot of there's a lot of challenges with traveling right now. Right. And a travel advisor is the perfect person to handle that. You don't really want to be dealing with that yourself at 1 a.m. <laughs> in the morning. You really want your travel advisor to deal with that. So rely on their expertise and rely on their ability to really focus on your trip and give you what you want. I think the critical thing is communicating with your travel advisor what it is that you want. Once they have a clear idea of it, they'll they'll get it for you. Yeah, this might be a once-in-a-lifetime a lifetime trip for, for anybody who's got this on the bucket list. So really ensuring, I, I guess, you plan your time out and make sure that you get to experience all that you want to. And so thinking about your experiences, and I always ask this, what's the one thing you would tell visitors to do? What must they do if they visit the Galapagos? Um, they must swim with the sea lions. <laughs> <laughs> ah. They must also have a close encounter with a tortoise. So on land, go hang out with a tortoise for a while because you'll learn a lot of good things about the world. But then go underwater. I have to say that 20 years ago when we went to the Galapagos, all that was in my mind was the blue-footed boobies and the iguanas and right. the things that I had sort of iconically seen photographs in National Geographic and I didn't really understand about the whole underwater life. And it's a huge part of the Galapagos. So if you go, be sure to do snorkeling and be sure to get underwater because a whole nother world comes to life underwater. And it's equally a part of the wonder of the Galapagos. That's just incredible. Don George, thank you so much for being with us. And thank you for your advice. Thank you. It's really, really been a pleasure to speak with you. And I, I loved doing the article. And I also want to say that the way the article was presented in the magazines is so beautiful. I'm really grateful to my editor and all the people who put 
that together because it's a really beautiful it's a really beautiful thing to have out in the world to celebrate the Galapagos. It is, and your words really do just beautifully describe it and and really r- paint a picture for all of us besides the beautiful pictures that were there and how it was wonderfully <laughs> presented. So we so appreciate you, Don. Um, thank you again for being with us, and thank you to our listeners for being with us. If you're planning a trip, be sure to connect with a AAA travel advisor. Check out AAA.com forward slash travel or visit your local branch. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. I'm Mary Herendine. Thank you for traveling with AAA.